Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest for you today. Let's do this. Jake Buchanan from the Prince's Trust, head of content, laughing at me on the podcast. Hello. Well, it's just the, the intro was very like, I, I thought I could drink some tea, but the intro was like, bish bash bosh. Yeah, we're in. We're in. Yeah. So. All right. What brings you back? What brings you back? Well, a lot has happened since we last spoke, Joe. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a pandemic. Yeah, there has been and, a pandemic, um, yeah. Been a pandemic. I'm pretty sure we didn't speak in the pandemic on this forum. We've obviously been chatting yeah. off comms a lot. Yeah, yeah. The PlayStation for, Network. For the listeners, we we are actually friends. Just because you've become like a big time head of content at the Prince's Trust doesn't mean I won't <laughs> sometimes bring you back down to earth. Whatever, man. You're a director of a company over here, aren't you? Yeah. Well. So. Yeah. I mean. Well, we, I think that the main thing for me is that, like, I've learned tons in this last year. And, like, I don't know, man, like, just when I thought that I kind of had the game rigged, it just completely, like, threw everything up yeah. in my face. Like, it, and I guess it's quite humbling, professionally humbling. Obviously, like, I'm not going anywhere near the fact that, like, it's been a really rank year for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been lucky enough to stay in work, like, just to kind of, yeah. say that i know a lot of people haven't and as people don't know uh i work for the prince's trust that's my day job i do freelance here and there but my day job is prince's trust and the prince's trust basically help young people um age 16 to 30 get a job basically get a job start a career and build their confidence so you know on the ground for us it's been like real time like yeah kind of see how the kind of state of the UK youth is. Um, and it's not great at the moment. Um, and I hear a lot of horror stories about people being out of work and not just like young people, like my friends as well, you know? So I wanted to just say like, I'm anything I'm going to say about how hard it is, is uh, there's a caveat. You know, there's a, there's caveat. a caveat professionally difficult, but in the grand scheme of things, really good. Yeah. Know? That's nice. So obviously today, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about a few geeky things around video, video production, also how to deal with people. So um, I'm going to force oh, you. Yeah. I'm going to force you to name drop in a bit and uh, <laughs> talk about some of the people you have to deal with. Not not in a negative sense, but just how to how to get what you need out of people and just yeah. Yeah, generally, one. you know how how to make content and how to take a piece of content and repurpose it into several pieces of content, whether that's TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Reels, Facebook, static stuff. But yeah, you're obviously head of content. That's what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, I there's classical head of content roles out there, which would be more like web-based, you know, all the kind of web copy and yep. um, everything. I'm generally more in-house production, I always say. like So like video uh, and in-house graphics and that yes. kind of stuff. Um, very small team. I, I manage um but like it it it's quite a, as you know joe and your clients probably know people creating content aren't just creators anyone can do it yeah so like and and because the tools are so available that's great with that though comes a lot of uh extra problems that can arise from like 
people going off brand or, you know, all that kind of really great stuff, which you probably have to deal with uh, quite a lot for your clients or your clients kind of like, you know, they get, they get so-and-so, you know, Auntie Jane to do a flyer and they might as well have done it themselves because it's all out of brand and it's all, you know, all over the place, tone of voice. So a lot of, a lot of what we do in house isn't just my team. It's all about making sure that like the rest of it's, on brand, and I'm not going to sit here and say I get it right every time. Uh, you know, there's things that go out sometimes on social. I'm like, yikes, probably should have been across that. But you know, it's fine. And because like we are a royal brand, we have to be extra careful. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, and that's that is quite tricky um, because one like it's it's always chicken and the egg at the trust when it comes to marketing. Always. So like. You want to attract the young people. So you need to turn your cap backwards and you need to put your hoodie up and you need to be down with the kids on the do, market. Do people still wear their caps backwards? Is that a thing? That's what we do. You know, we get, you know, <laughs> I get a skateboard out, tubular, radical, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The kids relate to that kind of cool, wicked dude stuff. Um, no, I just say the kids, young people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? There's different audiences, right? And I think, in your book, you talk about the audiences, John. Oh, the book that's behind you there, conveniently that book, placed. Uh, it's, uh, of course, Stay Hungry, available all good retailers right about now. Um, and Kindle editions also available. <laughs> Cheers, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, mate. <laughs> all I'm trying to say is that when you're marketing to young adults, young people, it's wildly different marketing to your supporters. And unfortunately, you need the young people through the door to tell the supporters how much you're supporting and how you're, yeah. you're getting on. But you also need the money to support the young people. And as a marketing team, and this is not me going out, you know, speaking out on a limb, that's a challenging thing for the marketing team. Um, and it's not just like a unique problem to the Prince's Trust. I think that's a unique problem for everyone. Like you need the client, you need the clients to grow. You need marks, you need the money to grow, but yeah, and you haven't got the money because you haven't got the clients and it's all like a whole, you know, a whole thing. Yeah. So it's no different uh, at the trust. Uh, the trust, again, we're a charity uh, and we, we offer a, we, we don't offer, we uh, are a non-profit model. So basically all that means is money comes in, money goes out. Like that's it. Like we don't, we don't, we're not there to make money. Mm-hmm. So it, as a charity sector the charity sector is always on a bit of a knife's edge um so it's challenging and the pandemic threw up a lot of stuff um so talk to me talk to me about what you mean in terms of brand management because I, i know what you mean um but from a from a listener's perspective i guess i'd kind of describe it if you're of a certain age you'll remember when photography went digital and suddenly every man and his dog was a photographer and I'm too like, young for that, though. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not a photographer. You've got a camera. There's a very <laughs> distinct difference. And and in the content game, there's a real difference between having a podcast set up, video equipment, Adobe Suite, Final Cut, whatever it might be, and actually being a professional content creator. Yes, and that that's kind of the whole thing. So, okay, so for me... For me, and this is like, it may not be a, a, an official definition, but for me, uh, upholding the brand is kind of making sure you uphold your brand values, making sure that when you speak, you are speaking as the company would speak. So almost like giving your company like a, uh, 
a persona, a voice. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like how I see it. Now we have different personas and different voices at the Prince's Trust, depending on who we speak to. Um, So, but, but on the top line, if, no, Joel, look, you know, Joel Stone, who's, you know, just looking through Twitter or Facebook, they say the Prince's Trust, they will instantly think it's royal and they will instantly connect the dots yeah. to His Royal Highness. So we have to be super careful um, with lots of different things. Obviously, completely apolitical. We, we'd never, you know, that wouldn't be the case anyway. You know, like, you know, politics has got no, for me, got no, not got no game with helping young people. But, you know, it's got to be very careful. Um, so, you're, even though you do have these voices, ultimately the brand is royal. Yeah. So you need to be really careful that you're speaking on behalf sometimes of his royal highness, uh, and that's um, that can be a challenge, you know. And but but the good news is is that because of the the royal connection, we do manage to get more of a seat at the table sometimes. Um, you know, with with business, at least it opens the door slightly. Um, yeah, okay. okay. Ambassadors, you know, so th- this is your fault. Now. You brought it up. So, talk to me about some of the people you've had at the table, either for helping you with content, partnerships, that kind of thing. Because I know there's some cool ones. Uh, yeah, well, we have at the, at the trust. We have like a, um, a whole celebrity ambassadors team that look after the relationships with uh, ambassadors. And generally speaking, the way it works is I'll get a email normally on a Wednesday at, you know, 10 p.m. saying, you know, I don't know, so-and-so, I'm not going to drop too many names, by the way, because, you know, something, I will be. I need to be careful how I say it, but I'll, I'll say a couple of stories. I want the ones um, in the public domain, the ones that... We, the ones that yeah, yeah. Right generally, I'll get, like, a call, and this is generally how celebrities work anyway. They're busy people, and I'll get a call saying, oh, you know, so-and-so is doing something next week, and you've got to go, and everything has to be down tall, and you've got to go. So a couple of our ambassadors that have, have helped us recently... They're always the ones that I feel that are the ones that fully get it. Like, mm-hmm. so Gareth Southgate, I'm not a football guy, Joel. You know me. I couldn't care about the beautiful game. I know you're a football guy. All my friends are football guys. That's the weird thing. All my friends are football guys. I'm just not. I just didn't get the bug, whatever. But Gareth Southgate, he, he's he been really great for the trust and he gets a lot out of it as well. And they're always the partnerships we're looking for. And they're always the celebrities you want to deal with. Yeah, uh, the ones that are going to get out of it. So in his case, Gareth Southgate, he's actually a current sponsor on a, a course called Future Leaders, uh, which is all about um, kind of making yourself more of a manager. Whether that means being yourself a manager, as in like representing your self esteem and going into job interviews, or actually leading a team like yourself, whoever, like that kind of like level. So it's, and he is a great fit for the trust because his story is compelling. He was the youngest manager in history in the, in the premier league. He came across load of adversity for that because no one took him seriously. He speaks openly about that. I'm not saying, you know, anything he wouldn't say. And I've been fortunate enough to work with him a handful of times and he's been a really good one. Um, And they're the partnerships we're looking for at the trust. Like, and generally speaking, you know, people that have been through, I'm going to use the word adversity, but it's not necessarily that relevant, but I guess being through kind of like, you know, being made redundant or just not knowing where they want to go or whatever. Um, they're the people 
that understand the product more. Yes. So the and the people who've had to demonstrate resilience, people who've had to demonstrate resilience yeah, in the past. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. That's that's basically it. And I think for us, you can sniff those. You know, those people don't come along very often. Um, and by the way, you know, this, the power of celebrity is huge for the trust. Like, of course. Um, we, the royal we, you know, we, the trust. Literally the, trust. the royal we. <laughs> yeah. The trust um, has great celebrity ambassadors and they do such amazing work for us. Um, we don't use them that often, though. That's the thing. You've got to be careful with the celebrities because if you overdo it, your audience is going to get bored. They're going to get bored doing the same thing. Because really, when it comes to celebrities, the ones that are really close to us, like Gareth Southgate's, Fern Cotton is another one who uh, is our well-being ambassador. They work with us relatively regularly and they've got kind of dedicated things to do. Yeah. Um, whereas they've got stuff to kind of latch on to. Like Fern Cotton did some stuff for us recently on Mental Health Awareness Week. And every year there's always that kind of uptick on her stuff mm-hmm. because they've kind of got like an ongoing, almost like unofficial employees, you know, <laughs> like they yeah, kind of help it. out, you know. Whereas when it comes to the, the colder celebrities, they want to help. They haven't got the time. So we, we approach them for the big campaigns and we're always trying to creatively try a different thing yeah. with them. And that's challenging, man, when it comes to content. i got to say, like, um, it is really hard to kind of, like, get that authenticity across when, and no fault to the celebrities, they're getting briefed on it. They're a bit cold to it. You know, and they're in a rush. They're literally they're in a rush, rush. Yeah. and it's difficult. And like the ones that we work with, get it. Like you know, and that's great. And it's recently we just launched a partnership with Anton Deck. Nice. That's been a, a big one. How um, many biker? Actually, how many biker Grove references have you made so far? I didn't. No, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the kindness to do it. <laughs> Was it? It didn't I may talk the talk in private, Joel, about all this stuff, but I just couldn't sit there and be like, I kind of see, man. I couldn't you, do you, it. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't ask him about paintball accidents or anything. No, no, no. But uh, I was meant to actually go and film with them. Don't which go, would have I been a bit see, of a, man. Sorry. I was meant to go, mm. but because of the coronavirus, I couldn't get uh, the sign-off for the studio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I was working with their social media team, actually. Okay. And that was really interesting. I've never worked so closely with a social media team. Because, like, some celebrities do just have those people that are running their accounts. And it's very, yeah. it's not very rare that a celebrity would run their own accounts, but it's more often than not. There's somebody there, an, an yeah, assistant. Either or, an in-house yeah. team or people like yourselves that they would reach out to oh, as their don't, company. Don't to do give the game them. away. <laughs> who you got in the books now I'm not allowed to say oh, here we go I thought you were working with Sooty no uh, not anymore yeah. <laughs> that's a really awkward one that we shouldn't talk about I'm <laughs> oh, so so sorry didn't mention anything yeah uh, apparently you got involved with Basil Brush and uh, yeah. it went wrong I'd love to do Bodger Bas- and Badger came and messed it all up again <laughs> oh, I've got a fun fact for you about Bodger and Badger have I ever told you this no so my brother who is nothing to do with social media or content, for whatever reason in his teens decided to set up the Bodger and Badger Facebook page because nobody else had, including the BBC. What? And he got it to 150,000 followers. And he was just like, say England scored a goal in the World Cup, he'd go and do a post saying, that was a great goal, but not as good as mashed potato. And he'd just, <laughs> he'd just do it constantly. And eventually the BBC wrote to him and took it off him. 
Aww. But he was fine with that. He'd like built it up. And then they gave it up and he's got it back. So my, my brother's the voice of Bodger and Badger on Facebook. What, on Twitter? Facebook. Facebook. Bloody hell. Yeah. But he doesn't, he doesn't give a, he doesn't give a shit. Oh, okay, I swear. Yeah, yeah, you can swear, yeah. He doesn't give a shit, Joel. That's the thing. Dude's a fireman. He is a fireman. He's not, he's not, he's not on social media. It's, really. embar- it's embarrassing when I, I run a marketing company and we do obviously a lot of content work. And the biggest account I've ever seen in growth terms is one my little brother, who's a fireman, set up. But uh, pretty cool. Anyway, we digress. So Ant and Deck, what have you been doing with them? Oh, right, yeah. So Ant and Deck, I've been working... Okay, so what I've been doing with this is probably a, a more of a natural way into this conversation. They, like Gareth Southgate, have sponsored and actually made... This time, they've made their own course for the Trust. Nice. So they they came up, obviously, through Bike Grove and stuff. I think they just... I think where they tell it is that they went... People, they all, the production company went to their school, yeah, and they just ends up doing the audition at school. Like I've, you know, it was just a chance encounter. I've got I a think. confession. What first CD I ever bought? CD. PG, I, yeah. I had cassettes. Yeah, yeah, PJ, and PJ and Duncan Psych. Still got it. I stand. Still got, I, that's more worrying. I stand by a couple of those tunes. I the first. Well, the thing is that the first CD I ever bought was Michael Jackson dangerous uh first album i ever bought was michael jackson yeah. history but on cassette yeah because we were obviously i'm older than you so dangerous would want. anyway yeah let's not get into michael jackson talk around here no L- but... listeners remorse you know <laughs> um yeah they said they start their own they start their own program with the princess trust mm-hmm. anton deck uh which is called make it in media which i gotta say man and i'm not just sat here being a british trust fanboy because i work for them but my word like if I was young and I saw this thing, I would be bowled over. Basically, it's I've just got, all about I, I've all the got jobs. one problem with it. Go on. It should have been called "Watch Us Wreck the Mic." Oh, it should have been called that, or it could have been that. Could have been the tagline. Yeah, I, make it immediate. I guess young people wouldn't mic. know what the hell we're talking about, though. So make it no. immediate makes more sense. They only know them Saturday Night Takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. depressingly, the people that we're the people that we're uh, dealing with a lot of the time are born over the millennium line, Joel. That's yeah, like the, pe- like the people I employ. And I make references. Mm. I wore, On my birthday last week, I wore a Turtles t-shirt to work and nobody knew what it was. Well, the Turtles are... Not, the turtles the, are not, current, not Yeah, but they? it was the classic Turtles. Right, And they right, were like, right. "What? those Turtles look weird. And I was like, no, this, this, <laughs> this is... Yeah. Don't get me started. What, who's your Turtle, Joel? Oh, someone asked me that. Uh, I think Michelangelo. Okay, I'm always Raphael. See, I was Raphael growing up. I understand why you're Moody Raphael. Yeah, Raphael. yeah. I, I, I've tried to be more positive as I've got older, and uh, so I've had to leave Raphael in my past. If, if, nah, if, if we went I'm, real I'm deep, if we went he's real, only, he's the only real one there, Joel. I, Michael Anzo is just in a bloody cuckoo land. If we went real deep, my favourite character is Casey Jones. Oh come on, character Casey Jones. Yeah, I, I always remember, and this is getting a tangent. Sorry, you're getting me into because I actually watched some. <laughs> I actually watched the trailers for the Turtles films recently. Yeah, I don't know why I went down the YouTube. The old school whole. Turtles films. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. The and secret of the use is shit. First... Just throw that out there. Not the, yeah, the new ones are terrible. No, Michael no, no. Brady. That's the third one of the original trilogy, Secret of the Oh, years. the third one. Yeah, the third one's Stinking. terrible. They yeah. go to Japan. Even when I was in primary school, I thought that was a bad film. So it must be really bad. Um, 
the very first film, man, actually very good. Yeah. Like, it's actually got quite a massive message to it. And that was the first film I ever went to cinema. Really? To that's, a, that's, a, that's a solid start. Not a bad. 1990. And I remember it as clear as day because I remember my dad let me fill up the car full of petrol. And I was very weak, much like I, like I am now. I had little bird arms. And I couldn't hold it properly. And I pressed the gun before I went into the thing. And I stunk of petrol. My dad was too Glaswegian and Scottish to go back home and change my trousers. So I sat in the cinema, stinking of petrol, and I had a load of people looking really just weirded out while the young boy smelled petrol. That's quite fun. Quite... That was my first cinema experience. What a film, though. My first cinema film was All Dogs Go to Heaven. Like, nah. terrible. Nah. I, the first one, I'm there for turtles. The first one I remember is Jurassic Park. So that's, that's better. Yeah, but... although... It was a bit tainted for me when I walked out of the cinema and my dad, my first words were for my dad, well, that was crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, a classic dad thing to say. It was all shot in the dark. It was, like, <laughs> yeah. it was turtles, man. I couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> couldn't understand what they were saying. Shot too dark. Um, but I loved it. And that Raphael scene, man, when he goes through the roof. Ah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all for the original the first two particularly the first one i think the first one's got really high production values it's a solid film but you're speaking about not relating to the kids yeah i've had one of those challenges this year John. oh well done on bringing it back that's i'm proud of you with launching tiktok okay so that's been definitely a time in my life where i've definitely i mean for a long time i've, I've known i'm too old for many things um you know current rap music whatever it may be, um, too old to wear skinny jeans, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm over it now, right? You sure? Um, yeah. Because we both still wear snapbacks and people look at us funny. Yeah, that that's true. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll head into my 40s. Do you, do you know what upsets me is I wear skate shoes and snapbacks and I always have, but now they're fashionable again and people look at yeah. me like I'm a tryhard. Um, like, but when we were in school, Joel, it was all about the skater, yeah, the skater yeah. culture. Um you know that that was a huge thing, and I, I actually I've heard that um, isn't skating back again? Yeah. So Andy's kids, I think they're they're, they're young. They're, I think they're ten and thirteen or nine and thirteen. Both got skateboards. And you know what my theory is about this, John? Every time there's a new Tony Horse game, yeah, yeah, go skate crazy. Yeah, it's, it's wild, isn't it? Uh, well, I was gonna say TikTok, yeah. right? So we launched a channel last year uh, on the Prince's Trust, and. For about a year and a half before we launched it, there was a lot of debate whether we should. I was always in the camp that we probably should, but many caveats around it. Yeah, yeah. So we basically launched it and we decided to set some ground rules. And this is definitely a content thing that we learned and I've learned like since. And it's all about, again, knowing your audience. So there's no point going on TikTok and talking about your fundraising event. It's just no point. Like, that's not where your audience is, right? So we we go on TikTok to talk about employment tips, like snackable tutorial videos. Yeah. Like, you know, how to make your CV better, you know, and just breaking it down with the green screen behind, like, oh, here's the, you know, here's the you know summary about yourself. Here's where your job skills are. Keep it one page or two page max, all that kind of stuff. So we, we set a rule set and it's gone really well for us. Uh, and again, luckily, we got a partnership with TikTok. Um, 
in the early days, we don't have that partnership anymore. It was just to kind of get off the ground mm -hmm. because they were, it was the right time for them because they were trying to rebrand themselves as, a, as more of a learning platform in certain yeah. areas. So it's called hashtag learn with TikTok and the Prince's Trust jumped on that. And that was the kind of thing that we decided, oh, you know, now is the time to jump. But I would say like, it's not the be all and end all. I don't think that if your brand doesn't fit it, just don't do it because that's not what your audience is because it's a very hungry labor intensive yeah. it can be a very labor intensive platform so you need if a lot just of organic like, content yeah if i was just like a freelancer uh videographer going around i probably would have a tiktok because you can just do it off your phone real quickly that's not labor intensive but when you start doing it as like a company you've got all these weird things that come into play like you can't post you have to give you the login details to your phone to certain members of staff and like it all gets a bit messy, like most, uh, you know, social media accounts. So what we decided to do was go, you know what, we're not doing that because it gets a bit weird. Again, brand problems. We're going to enlist a whole group of young people to make content for us. Yeah. Because we didn't want to be like we're talking about before, the dad at the disco. We don't want to be like, yo, 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 you know, wicked cool dudes, like the Prince's Trust, aren't we cool? Because it looks rank like it looks like you're trying really hard whereas yeah. if you get young people to make the content for you and publish it that's the way to do it so we get sent the raw videos we edit them we send them out and we co-create the content together no nice. that's kind of how we run the tiktok channel really that's cool yeah i was yeah. chatting to um well not chatting to us I, I was at a talk by rob moore the disruptive entrepreneur at the weekend he's got a really popular tiktok but he's he's like in his 40s and he just he just repurposes his content and puts it out there because it gets so much organic reach, and he just unashamedly does it. He's like, yeah, I realise that this platform's been embraced by young people, but those young people are going to get older and grow up, so I'm getting my content out there now. And I thought that was a really interesting take on it. Where yeah, and if you yeah, if your brand can, if your brand supports that, that's cool. Like as in like, I wouldn't have any problems doing it if I was a freelancer on my own back because like you just said you can do it in a way which is okay. And also if you're doing actual information, which is valid, like if I was to do it, I'd be filming and I'd say, oh, just changing the lens, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you're 50 mil versus other mil, here's what it gets done, like in a, in a whatever way. Yeah. That's what people come to older people for, I guess, or like whatever. When it gets a bit embarrassing is when it's like, you know, <laughs> in my opinion, you've got like, Mums and dads dancing yeah. to the latest so Top 40 that, song. That's like, I would hate it if, like, one of the brands we manage, probably 75% of the brands we manage, their target audience is probably 30 to 60 in that, in right. that band. Yeah. I'd hate it if the director of one of those firms decided to do a TikTok dance craze because he thought he wanted to, yeah. like, land on TikTok. It's like, no, the, the platform's a distribution platform. And at the moment, if you want organic reach, the best place to get organic reach is TikTok. But you've still got yeah. to be authentic. You can't just jump on the bandwagon. It's like when yeah. um, it's like when these trends come onto Instagram or Facebook and everybody jumps on it and tries to do it themselves. And it's like you're not doing your brand any justice by jumping on somebody else's idea and then trying to copy it unless you're genuinely and authentically <laughs> part of that movement. Couldn't say any better myself, mate. Yeah, and that's... And that's kind of the thing like we, well, first of all, when you're a brand on TikTok, if you have to sign yourself up as a brand when you go on yeah. there and then you can't use any 
uh, top 40 music. Yeah, yeah, stuff. like on reels, yeah. Yeah, so basically that kind of negates a lot of that anyway because a lot of the crazes come from, like, you know... Famous the, songs, yeah. The latest song, whatever. I was trying to think of the current... That's why that banjo song's so famous on there because it's one of the license-free tunes yeah. in the background, isn't yeah. it? And then out for us, our target audience is younger. Like, we we notoriously find it very hard to reach... Uh, the younger like school leavers mm-hmm. that's kind of a, an area which we, we we find a bit harder to market to because they're not really on twitter um they are on instagram but you can only get a certain amount of information out on instagram yeah. you know to grab attention we can do graphics and stuff right um so the the, the theory for us of you on tiktok was you know what we're not going to catch many signups if you're looking for action you're not going to capture that no. from TikTok. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. get a load of click-through rates from TikTok. What you are going to get is brand awareness. And maybe down the line, that brand awareness will sink in. Plants a seed. Yeah. So that's kind of where, and we're trying to run it in a way which is less labor intensive by my colleague. She runs the channel really. And she she's kind of has meetings with the guys to kind of flesh out new ideas and, you know, so for us, it is quite hands off, like, but yeah, it has slowed down in a few months because you know it is it is a a hungry platform, and it needs resource. No matter like any social media platform, if you go into it and you start posting furiously for the first two weeks of its life, it's going to be great. But you've got to keep the momentum up, and that's where we have sometimes hit fatigue because we're like, oh, we're just so busy at work, we can't, I can't pull myself up to me. Like, you no, know, Kaylee would come to me, my colleague. And she'll be like, you know, Jake, we haven't got a video this week from the guys. Like, we need something. And I'll, I'll you know, we'll task with doing it. And maybe I'll have to turn something around. But it's hard to get into that mindset sometimes. Yeah. Be like, right, you're working really hard and you've got to do a TikTok. It is difficult. So it's all about setting the time aside. And if you say to yourself, I'm going to do a TikTok on a Thursday afternoon, it's never going to work. Yeah. It's all about in that moment, like... You yeah, kind of yeah. always have to think quite organically about it. We um, hugely talk to our clients about content repurposing. So, yeah. for example, like we don't have a TikTok, but if we did, we would take this video now of you and I, and we would cut out the most succinct, poignant pieces and turn them into TikToks or turn them into Reels. And they'd just be those little three-second bites, and we'd get some te- text graphics up. Because we can't afford to make content for TikTok and then do separate content for Reels and then do Instagram and then do Facebook and then do Twitter and then do LinkedIn. Everything we do has to have multiple purpose because, you know, we're a relatively small team, a team of 10. We can't invest that much time. 10 now, is it? Well, that's a lot since we last spoke. Yeah, things are changing. (laughs) (laughs) But we can't, yeah, we can't afford to just try and do things as one-off individual things there's very few people out there who no, it, do that no it doesn't work it doesn't work no, we and it's the same for us we've got a massive resource issue at the trust like like i say we're a charity we haven't got the money to burn like everyone's everyone's there is doing the job of one and a mm. half two people like it is a lot of work a lot of the time yeah and that's not just in my department that's in no that's just an industry thing right and yeah. i think like you're always on that state of like if you're got too much work we can't get someone else in because it's you kind of always got that too much too much too much right Mm -hmm. and i think that for us we try our damnedest to strategize on the repurposing side of it doesn't always work but yeah you always have to look at every channel i mean when it comes to anton deck stuff that was actually quite easy because that 
they sold it for us because it's Anton Deck. Yeah. Right? So we didn't have to do much repurposing. If anything, all I had to do for that video was put the 16.9 in a vertical frame for IGTV. Yeah. And I made a square version for the rest of the channels. Like, because it's Anton Deck, it's almost like... Because so we knew explain the what you mean by so that. Good. So, sorry, just, just to cut in. Talking about vertical frame, squares and stuff. You and I know what that means, but people listening, business owners listening to this podcast, what do you mean by that? Uh, essentially, just like looking at your social media's like uh, uh, technical specifications and then making sure your video fits them. So yeah. like for social media, the I call the kind of the general ones like Facebook and Twitter, they'll generally accept a square video. Yeah. It's better to use a square frame for those channels because it looks better on a phone. Yes. Um, you can put a 16.9, which is the normal classic landscape video, up on those platforms. But it, it, if you're short of time, no harm in doing that. Like, yeah. again, that's another one of those things that I think that people get a bit snobbish about. And actually, like, if you're a business owner and you've got what if you're one team of one or two or whatever, just, it's better to have it out there mm-hmm. than for you to, you know, and you don't haven't got the skill set to be making these different versions. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean by it. So vertical frame would be the vertical frame. Yeah, IGTV, TikTok, Yeah, that's reels. the landscape. Yeah. Oh, look at me in the picture there. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. Oh, hey, it's, like, it's really meta now. Yeah. Stop it. i get another one. Oh, no, it's gone on my lock screen. Then. <laughs> uh, got, Qual- got a message from my garage. Quality content. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. But, uh, but with that in mind, though, there is a whole host of tools out there for video that I, I did want to say because like we use them as well because yeah. like i said like i'm i'm a creator i've been doing i've been in this game for 15 years making content what i my blind spot was always the consumer tools yeah so when people ask me like how do i go and make stuff i'm always like well, i don't know download premiere pro but then you think oh premiere pro is like 50 quid a month well, that's a yeah, lot of money. yeah yeah um and again at the trust we're lucky like I managed to get a license through the trust, um, which Adobe actually gifts us every year. That's not always, that's not a given. We have to make sure that we are producing content and we have to, you know, that's a partnership. Yeah. Anyway, that's an amazing thing that we get. But if I was a freelancer, I'd be like, wow, 50 quid a month. That's, that's a lot. I like being a creator freelancer. I would have to stomach that cost because that's what the industry uses. If you're just like, I'll take my, my, my brother as an example. He's a small business owner. Um, he's got a business washing and uh, detailing cars, getting cars back to their showroom quality. He's just started this business and he's one of the rare breeds that actually really wants to uh, and understands the power of digital and the power of digital marketing. He wants to be on Facebook. He wants to be on Instagram. He wants to do all these things. And he's learning the skill sets like, yeah, as he goes he hasn't got the time to do this stuff, right? So there's a couple of different things you can do. There's there's um, a tool called, I don't know if you've used it, Canva. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, a lot of Canva's our clients Canva's a really easy Canva. one to use for like, if you're, you're short of time. A lot of the time, it can be as simple as clicking a button and it auto-generates graphics for you and mm-hmm. you just move things around. That's a great one for like, you know, really quick content for your phone. Yeah, lots of templates. A month. Yeah, templates, really good stuff. There's also a thing called Lumen 5, which we've used at the Trust yeah. a few times, which is basically an auto- automated video service. So it will create videos for you where you just have a blog post and then you upload that text and then they find stock footage for you and put it into a video format. 
Yeah. Now, obviously, you've got to go in there and just quickly temper it. But there are a couple of cheat sheets you can do to kind of get yourself off the ground and running. And I think that then when you see um, results, like if your posts suddenly start getting more with these Lumen 5 videos or your kind of new graphics, that's when maybe you could put some more money into upskilling yourself. Yeah, or yeah. Put some time let's, aside let's do more like stuff. that. But because yeah. you could you could put all your effort into making all this content and it's going to get you five extra likes because your audience doesn't want that. They don't care. That's the, yeah, the reality. Well, is that, like if yeah. it comes from the prince's trust, a certain amount of polish is expected. If it comes yeah. from Codebreak, a certain amount of polish is expected. If you're running a car detailing business, it's how well are the cars detailed that people care about. The quality yeah. of the content, as long as it reflects how well the car's been detailed the before and after, they're not concerned that you're not a professional videographer. If anything, it goes against you. Um, yeah, because it looks like you've so got I, more money. It looks like yeah. it looks like you're going to be really expensive. So I've been. I did a couple of videos for my brother, like you know, for free, um, and just to kind of get him started on pro level. I've actually decided to pull that back now, and he wants me to do loads more of them. But I keep saying to him, no, 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 you need to be the one to do the videos on your phone for Instagram because you can you can have these glossy videos, but like, like you just said, Joel, it's going to go against you. And sometimes, like, his brand relies on him. He is the brand. He's the face, yeah. So having Mike's Auto Care, Mike's Auto Care, Aston Munso, Shropshire, for all your detailing needs. <laughs> Mike's Auto Care, I'll say it again. Sorry, Mike's Auto Care, he is the brand face in it. And he... His tone of voice, I wrote all the brand guidelines for him and I wrote all the tone of voice from him. Now, the thing about my brother is that he is the client. Like, yeah, yeah. So when I wrote everything for him, he's the, he's the bozo he's trying to market to. He just doesn't know that yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really hard for him to think that because he's the one that owns a business. So having shaky camera footage, selfie filmed of the car, the car's going to look amazing no matter what camera you're pointing at it. Yeah. Like, really. Like, you can see a piece of crap car, but the fact is this car's going to always gleam if mm -hmm. you've got a first-generation iPhone or the Lewis one. So that's kind of where I've said to him, like, let's go a bit more user-created on your stuff because it's it can look a bit disingenuous. And the one thing I did say to him from the outset for his business, and this is, again, another thing for content to be aware of, is sorry, my share squeaking, is to um, be honest to yourself. So like for him, I never post, I run his channels a little bit for him while he gets going. I never put any filters on them ever. Yeah. Because we can always come back and say, no, no filter, that's just how the car looks. Like you can't get us on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all about thinking about how you position your content. Yeah, and so, if, you, if you're a car detailing company or a hairdresser or uh, exactly. a beautician... If you use filters, someone will use that against you at some point in the future. A hundred percent. Any kind of stuff. Like, and if you do do that, you have to explicitly say it. Like, if he wanted to post, a, uh, no, if he wanted to doctor a car picture and make it look as paying and as so good, then he should put filter applied or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he understands that, luckily. But I think content's all about authenticity. Going right back to the conversation about TikTok, um, and actually with the pandemic it's been a huge learning curve all the user created footage that I've been mm. using obviously I've, all I've been doing for the last year and a half is chopping up Zoom calls yeah yeah 
difficult. Um, my headset, my head's always been like, go out and shoot it and get it yourself. But I've had to actually make myself better at briefs because um, I know what I want. But when I'm asking people to do it for me, you start writing the brief, you think, well, actually, they won't know to get a cutaway shot of. Uh, yeah, your, it wouldn't you know, cross their mind. The book, yeah, cutaway yeah. shot of send the book or whatever it is. So it's made me better at like the, the kind of pre-production phase because historically for me, I've always been pretty bad at pre-production because I'm the one that's doing the content. Yeah. Like I will write down the things I need to know, shot lists. It'll be in Jake language. Anyone else that needs to dissect it needs to be with Nicolas Cage in a National Treasure film to kind of decipher the, <laughs> the code. I don't know what terrible. you meant then. but <laughs> Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. is a, a treasure hunt film. Yeah, okay, no? I get it now. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is it's taught me a lot. And actually right in the beginning... Um, we had loads of young ambassadors. So we, at the Trust, we have our young ambassadors who um, are young people who we've helped and they go out into the field and they go to events and they say, support the Trust because I'm living proof that uh, it works and I've got my own business now or I'm employed now or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, those guys, the pandemic, they had nothing to do. So for me, I'm reaping the benefits because I got loads of videos in. Mm-hmm. So we asked them to do video content. Now, after a few months, they got very bored of doing that. <laughs> and that was another challenge, which is why we went back to the young people, young ambassadors for TikTok, because then it gave them a new challenge. And actually, when we were asking them to make stuff for TikTok, a couple of them had their own business and they wanted to learn TikTok anyway. So it was a bit of a win. Yeah, win yeah. Them. You're engaging them on something that they want to be engaged with. Yeah. But authenticity, Joe, I mean, I can't... Uh, I can't stress it enough. Like if you're just not the kind of company that's going to be making that stuff or, or not the kind of company to speak all stuffy, don't do it. Like, you, oh, it's hugely. Like yeah. uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's so much false professionalism out there. These companies that are like, oh, because we're accountants, we should wear suits and we should talk professionally and we should talk about, oh, I don't know, debits and credits or, or, or whatever. It's like, Whoa, no. Do you obviously know a <laughs> So hang on, like... Briefcases. Well, um, I, I tried to encourage an accountant to, to call their podcast double entry the other day, and anyway. My so, job, that's a risky joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the reality is <laughs> people will really sniff out if you're being yourself or what not. Did you actually put that? Yeah, yeah. We, we've we've changed it to paint by numbers. They're but. no longer a client. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you um, you you've really got to be yourself because at the end of the day, like you've got to look yourself in the mirror after you do this stuff. And I, I, yeah. I I'm not afraid to say I really struggled with this for a time where like like you're a friend of mine. You would literally say to me, "I've seen I've seen your video, Joel. Like who the fuck is that guy? Because that is yeah. not, that's not who you are." Uh, like you're more sarcastic than that. You're a bit meaner than that. Like let it come out. I never said meaner. No, but you meant it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, mean, I, I think actually I said you're more of a bastard than that. Yeah, I, I literally <laughs> do think that's the word you use. <laughs> and now I'm like, I get people now trolling me for like, do you think that's professional or um, do you think it's acceptable to say that? Well, yeah, because that's what I think. So. Yeah. I'm okay with it because that's what I believe. Well, a, little, a little thing on, the, on those two points, Joe, for me, 
I up, I uphold the values of the trust whenever I'm out and about. Of course, because you have to. Yeah. Well, luckily, the trust has employed me. You know, yes. that they they do like people, right? Like, yeah. So so, so they not they sussed out your values at interview. Yeah. 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 So like, I mean, my job when I when I can do my job in without a pandemic is going and filming people. And when you're filming people, you do get quite a rapport with them because sometimes I'll be going in someone's house or I'll be going, you know, I'll be going to their business and, you know, they're proud to show off what they have. And then you end up being there all day and you have a cup of tea and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you have to be obviously always be professional, but like they're helping you out to make the content. Yeah, You're helping them out to kind of get exposure for their business. Yeah. I guess where I'm going with this is I'm in a fortunate position at the trust where I do get to meet a lot of people. I'm always in the back of my mind thinking professionalism, but I still have a laugh with them. Yeah, yeah you're in a you're in a very enviable position where you've actually managed to retool things quite a lot from when you first came up. And I think even in the last year and a half at Codebreak, I've seen a massive shift in tone of voice and all sorts of things. Whereas now you can rock in and be yourselves. Yeah, because you built the brand around yourselves, which is actually you're very difficult you may think it's not an easy thing to do but i think uh, uh, you may think it is an easy thing to do but i actually think it takes a lot of courage uh to do that um oh thanks Steve. whether yours came out of courage or just came out of being fed up of putting on a face is there <laughs> another story uh, a bit of both bit of both your your the people that are buying the services are buying from you mm-hmm. they're not buying you know like I've I've had freelance jobs, and I, I like, maybe I'm bigging myself up or not. I don't know, but like I know that I haven't been the best at doing the stuff. Yeah, but I've got on with the person well. Yeah, yeah. I was probably the cheapest as well, but still, uh, like, not I anymore. Think that's, I think when you're employing people as well, you're you're investing in people. And I think that old view of like credentials and all of that nonsense. I think it's yeah, a bit old school. It, we, I mean, we've just done a round of recruitment and. We do ask for CVs, of course, but all the employment was done on character. I can I can teach skills, and as long as you got that hunger and that desire, and you un, like, and you weren't miles away from Code Breaks values in the first place. So much like when the trust would have taken you on, they they'd have sussed you out and checked you out on your social media just to make sure you they weren't employing a maniac. And uh, <laughs> maniac, it's, it's, it's the same thing. We we do with our our potential employees is we we suss them out we check out uh, yeah. what their hunger is we check out what makes them tick we we push a few buttons as well so uh, a specific example of someone who didn't get the job I was like I, I literally asked them what makes you tick like what do you do when tools are down and they said to me oh, I think my personal life's private uh, and I was like well you're not going to enjoy code break then you, you, I, you know I didn't say that but straight away it's yeah, like yeah. I can't give you a job because you think I'm being intrusive and actually I want to know what makes you tick so we can make this job better for you and it, it's a really interesting shift in the way people are employing now is is that whole we want to know what your values are what makes you tick what not only how you can plug into our business but how we can plug into your life okay yeah per- Perfect. I mean, we say, I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not close to the training at the trust, so I can't attend to this, but I know a lot of the content that we make for TikTok and other stuff is talking about that, about the fact that, you know, make yourself 
sellable. Yeah. And one thing I do say to people, and we, we say at the trust is like, if you feel like you haven't got any hard skills, you've got soft skills that you can sell. So like a, a, a massive example is like one thing we use a lot is if you raise a family, if you've got a young child, use that as your employment. Like I'm good at timekeeping because I have to be up, you know, I have to do my, this. My I kid keep, has keep, to be I at school at half past I eight. I goddamn yeah. human alive for Christ's sake, you know? Yeah. Like, not so only can I look after skills. myself, but I can look after this yeah. little person too. But when it comes to content, though, there's definitely a couple of things you can't, you can't, um, you, can te- you can teach someone how to click buttons, right? Of course. You can teach someone what the hell adjustment layers are in Premiere. You can't teach someone taste. And that's definitely something that I look for. Like Your Blackpool sure. or your Las like, Vegas, you one or the other. <laughs> not like that but more just like like understanding a brief and making that the right call yeah yeah you know like not necessarily taste but like that that intuition like yeah i had if this you don't know where the if you don't know where the cut should be if i'm watching one of your videos i'm sitting there thinking you need uh where he still hasn't got a flow to it then that's not yeah it's not subjective so jake i think you're in a southeast internet that's something that's very hard to teach videos but they might be naturally yeah oh you're breaking up dude so well what's your final thought on this content oh there we go yeah am i back now yeah you're back hit me with your final thought final thought i don't really know what we've talked about other than content good content and attitude i think yeah i mean i'm I find it fascinating. I feel like I've I've got so much more to chat about, but generally it's content's really important. I would just be authentic. Like and don't get do not get hung up on what the quality of other people's stuff because quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Like I you know, I used to get really envious on like when I was younger about like the best cap someone's using that oh someone's got that I think back in the day, someone's using the uh, Canon 7D. Oh my god, it looks so good! I can't afford it. But the story's crap. Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's frozen again. Jake, you've been awesome. Thanks or very like, much for coming on the Stay Hungry like Podcast. Mm-hmm.